All right, there we are. There we are. Here we are. Slight false start. Uh, oh, my fridge is closed. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> I, I hit start streaming and then realized I forgot to get my beer out of the fridge. So, I'm back! The most, the most important thing, and, and you forgot it. That's right, most important meal of the day, and yeah. I just forgot. It's John's all meals of the day for a while. <laughs> exactly right. Anyway, welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 230. That gets weirder and weirder every time I say it. I know, right? Your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. And I'm Steve. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found, not Plex. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. We read all Super Chats on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize my channel. Uh, we drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, and keep the party going with the awesome community that hangs out over there. Yep, we do hang out. We hang out a lot. Tech Tech Potato says Wednesday night? No, Thursday morning. Uh, well, have a beer anyway. Well, yeah, Thursday morning, I mean... John has a beer for breakfast every morning for the last right. couple of weeks, so... You're not working anymore. You can... Yeah, come on. <laughs> you, you can have a beer with us. Yeah. It's a breakfast beer Rito. Uh, drink of choice, Havana rum. Uh, Havana rum flavor, we are Little's instant coffee. It's 4 a.m. after all. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds pretty solid. I do, I do like a little rum and coffee. Yes. Especially dark rum and coffee. Dark rum and coffee is excellent. Oh, super good. Whiskey and coffee, in my opinion, way overrated. Yeah, I haven't had one that I actually really enjoy. It, I, I prefer rum and coffee. Right, you end up with ethanol and, and bad barrel flavor in, in coffee. <laughs> yeah, burnt bitterness and, and ethanol. Right, <laughs> it, it takes away everything that's good about the whiskey, and it takes away everything that's good about coffee. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just not good, whereas rum and a little sugar... Kind of accentuates yeah. things that are in it the does. coffee. Yeah. Although Bailey's is best. Yeah. Oh, what did I have? There was one that I had that was like quite excellent. It was one of the Bailey's flavor. I can't remember which one it was, but it was it was quite good. Yes, Bailey's is quite good. All right, Steve, how you doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Last time we saw you, you had the little uh. St. Patrick's hat on. And... That's right. It is no longer St. Patrick's Day. Okay. And the you, hat is gone. And you fully recovered, I assume? I did. Okay, yeah. good. The, 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 the St. Patrick's Day uh, hat tumor has been removed. <laughs> Successfully. Uh, no hypnotodes under there, I'm no, assuming? No, no, no. Okay, good deal. <laughs> brain, brain slugs, you mean. Brain slugs. Brain slugs, yes. Sorry. Brain slugs, yes. Sorry. yes. Yeah, the other, the other entity that takes over all thought. Although I do have a brain slug somewhere. Nice. I got that for uh, Halloween or something one time. I had a brain slug. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. Because I went as fry as Halloween one year. Yeah. And so I had I have a, a brain slug somewhere. Yeah. It's the last time you shaved, too. <laughs> yes. I think it is. Yeah. For a couple of weeks there, I was like, mm, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
I think I even <laughs> so I could wear the scariest thing for Halloween. It wouldn't phase my kid, but if I shaved and he's freaked out. Yeah. He's like, that's not my dad. Right. Who are you? Uh my kids have never seen my chin. Ever. Um, ever? Never ever? I've been married for sixteen years and I have been clean shaven for literally like four days in that entire time. <laughs> They've never so they have no idea. Yeah, and, and it has yeah. not happened in the last nine years. <laughs> So my oldest is nine. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Steve, speaking of uh, yes. most important meal of the day, what are you drinking tonight? Well, uh, today I went to a local brewery for lunch called Ancestry Brewing. And so I thought I'd pick up a couple of their beers for tonight. And the first one I have is Ancestry Brewing Belgian Trippel. It doesn't have a name. It just has this label on there that says Belgian Trappel. Belgian Trappel. That's all it says. Uh, 9.25 ABV. And the other one, which is an even more sketchy label, uh, is uh, Ancestry Barley Wine, which is handwritten. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> it was just called Barley Wine. So, and that's 11%. So this is these are both part of the small batch series. So I'm hoping that there was some extra care put in them nice and that they will yeah. be delicious because these are two styles that i really enjoy oh barley wines are delicious uh i oh yes uh steve and i were talking just before the show and and he mentioned that he went to ancestry brewing today and i know i've been there and i've know i've i've had beer from them but they're they're a brewery where every time their name pops up it's like oh yeah i've had them well, what have you had there i don't remember i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah their their staples i have to say are pretty forgettable forgettable yeah um but uh today for lunch i had i had one of their uh triple ipa hazies quite good um and i had a bourbon barrel aged cherry chocolate stout also quite good Sounds so good. yeah yeah uh there's their specialty one-offs pretty good their staples meh, 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 yeah. you know I'm going with uh, some slightly lighter stuff today. Um, I've got a Ninkasi Prismatic Juicy IPA. Oh, it's good. Which is always a fantastic one. Mm -hmm. uh, from Migration Brewing, we've got a Straight Out of Portland IPA. Oh, I, did I have that one before? I think I might have. I don't know. It was a pretty short run, if I remember correctly. I haven't seen it in, in stores for quite a while. I just happened to have a can left. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think, yes, I think it came out like maybe a year and a half ago. Or yeah, something like something that. Like that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, if the need calls for it, I've also got a third beer in a Founders All Day. All Day IPA. So, yeah, you're hitting hitting the classics. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start with the Straight Out of Portland from Migration Brewing. Okay. I'm going to have the Belgian Trappel. Yeah, save the barley wine for a little later. That's what I was going to... I'm going to let it warm up a little bit anyway. It's been sitting in the fridge for a wee bit. Let's see. We do have a couple Super Chats. American Cosworth sends over $2. Thank you so much, good sir. Uh, Jeff, Screwball Whiskey and Snowboarding. Um, Screwball Whiskey? Screwball oh, whiskey. I do not like that stuff. That's the peanut butter flavored whiskey. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. I, 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 mm. When I first had it, I'm like, oh, you know what? This is This is pretty good. You can really taste the peanut butter flavor. But what do and you? And then after, like, yeah. What do you do with it? <laughs> right, exactly. So all you could do is drink it straight. Yeah. I tried mixing it with other things, and I, I just couldn't make anything good. Yeah. And then so like, well, I gotta drink this straight. And then after a while, I'm just like, 
this is gross. Yeah. It, <laughs> just, it's too sweet. It, it's, it's too peanut buttery. It's an interesting novelty. I'm glad I tried yeah. it. Yes. I would never, ever, ever get through a fifth of it. No. There, there's no, just. No, I had, I had to, I had to, every time people came over, like, hey, try this, try this. You got to try this. I'm like, oh, that's really peanut buttery. Yeah. You want any more? Nope. Nope. Good. I nope, tried it. I tried it. <laughs> It's like, that's all you really need. Sean sends over $5. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, Rooftops Tank Ride at 8.5% and Makeda Porter at 5.8%. Mm. Not familiar with Never either of those. But... Not, no, not either. I don't know any of those breweries. I wonder where, where they're from. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got a couple more in here. Michael Stevens has a uh, New Belgium Voodoo Ranger IPA, 9%. So speaking of a classic. Uh... Novella from Heist Brewery is drinking a Citriquential Double Dry Hopped IPA at 7.1% from Charlotte, North Carolina. Skull's got a United Art collaboration with Toppling Goliath, Juice Drops Mango Lotus Hazy IPA. Uh, let's see, are there any others right off the bat? Uh, Mackenzie Brewing, Bulldog Premium Stout, 5.9%. That's from Jason. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, Hops and Brews, Mr. John, is uh, having an everybody beer, uh, aggressively relaxed Imperial IPA, 8.5%. Yeah, he's got to eat those, drink those, I mean, eat, drink, I guess it's the same thing for him. Yeah. Uh, those big, big uh, IPAs, they're the big uh, high ABV ones to get them calories. <sighs> oh, that's good. It's light, fruity, it's a little juicy. This one's not bad. Um, as far as like a Belgian trip belt goes, it's okay. Mm, do you ever have like the um, the new Belgian tripel? Yes. It's very similar to that. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be disappointed uh, with that. No, I, I'm not disappointed in there. I I, I mean, because like I, I kind of put the standard like where uh, Benedictine puts theirs because it's like right down the street, right? And I can get it just about whenever. <laughs> I'm like, that's a good Trapel. Uh, so when I don't get that, I'm like, eh, a little disappointed. Yeah. I know I shouldn't be disappointed, but I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> but it's still good. It's still good. Tech Tech Potato says, drink something you can chew. Uh, that would be like a, a potato vodka, but I have to wait a while. Uh, something you can chew, I guess. Um, old yogurt that's gotten a little runny. There you go. There you go. You can, you can chew and drink that. Uh, isn't Canar supposed to be kind of chewy? Like, I have a bottle of Canar. I, I don't know. Is it supposed to be? Chewy? It was supposed to be, like, super syrupy. Oh. Or super well, viscous. Boba, Not the stuff that boba. I have. The stuff I have is just red wine. Well, boba tea's got, like, those little bubble things. That's you true. You chew on those things. There you go. Yeah. Chew on a little boba tea. You know it would be great? Because I saw this experiment where they made uh, alcohol blobs. <laughs> like like you can pop them in your mouth now if you could do those as a boba oh tea they were doing ball. the tide pod things <laughs> y yeah, yeah it was like it was like a tide pod thing but uh, it was like filled with alcohol who did that who did that that was the that was the cocktail chemistry guy cocktail chemistry made some but it was because a company i believe it was jameson came out with uh with literally the edible cocktails Yes. Yeah. 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 And he was trying to do that himself. Yeah. So he's like, it was like, it, it was, it looked like a little gel blob that you popped in his mouth and it yeah. explodes, that type of thing. <laughs> uh, tapioca beads. There you go. Yeah. 
All right. Let's go ahead and jump into the week's news. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting with... Uh, a pretty good story or article about uh, the right to repair and the availability of parts and how some companies are starting to do the right thing, quote-unquote. Um, so... This is from The Verge. Normally I throw out anything from The Verge, but this one's from The Verge. Uh, The era of fixing your own phone has nearly arrived with iFixit fresh off signing Google, Samsung, Valve, Microsoft, Motorola, and more to be a parts carrier uh, for cell phones and consumer devices. I think that's a great start. Yeah, Um, always good news. Yeah. It's always good news. My fear is this. Um these moves where they'll say, "Oh yeah, we'll 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 provide you OEM parts uh and and you can sell them to whoever." Uh it's not necessarily going to lead to exactly what we wanted with right to repair because mm-hmm. this may still be a single source or single right. vendor tie-in. Um, and they can still control the price and the cost. They can still control one- exactly. Uh, yeah. and just because I fix it has a deal to sell parts from Samsung or Valve or you know right. doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get multi-vendor access to parts, be they OEM or third party. Uh. Yeah. You know, so that this is one facet, and I would say it is a very important facet and at a very important step. My fear, though, is that these companies are going to use this partnership and use iFixit to tell the Justice Department and and Congress, we sell parts. Look, here's a store yeah, you can at, you can go got, and you can got one. Right. You can yeah. you can buy parts for the latest three Samsung phones. Uh, yep. And and we sell a variety of parts that a consumer would realistically be able to install themselves. Notice I didn't say all. I said right. that we, the company, so. determined they may be able to. So while it's good that Samsung is now selling their screens again and that Valve has said we're going to provide replacement parts to iFixit and they can sell to consumers. It's not like you can still swap out a logic board. It's not like you can still swap out a fingerprint sensor that's gone bad. And it's not like you're going to be able to buy parts for three, four, five-year-old devices that the manufacturer no longer wants to support. Yeah. But the manufacturer may continue to block third-party devices from from being installed in their phones and and laptops and handhelds and, and so on and so forth. But use this initiative and use these agreements to stop any actual legislation from going through to force them uh, uh, or to force the issue. Uh, and like giving them an inch so they don't have to take that mile. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I said yeah. that when Apple unveiled their user repair system, which required a core charge and only was specific parts for only very specific models and... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, 
Uh, Tech Geek says, dude corrected his mistakes on LTT video, though. Cool dude. Yeah, Stefan's a, a cool dude, and I never held anything ill against Stefan, but I, I did and still do hold very much a grudge against The Verge for their complete handling and not only of that situation, but many other situations. Um, uh, only parts? What about manuals? What about testing software? Exactly, uh, as, yeah. as Ian brings up. Um, they're trying to give an inch so they can avoid being forced to go the whole mile when it comes to right to repair. Because right to repair is more than just, you know, 10% of a parts library. Yeah, yeah. The right to repair is the right to fix your device, be it through any means and making the means available and accessible. So I like this news. This is good news. I don't want to get down on this because good for iFixit for seeking out these partnerships. Good for Samsung, Google, Valve, Microsoft, Motorola, etc. for forging these partnerships. Don't stop here, though. <laughs> don't yeah, keep don't think we've won. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it'd be nice if we'd be able to like replace circuit boards and, and other parts and stuff like that that we normally just can't get. <clears throat> I mean, half the time now, when anything breaks, you have to send it in and hope upon hope that they'll get it back to you in time. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I ran into this issue. We just bought a brand new car uh, back in August. We bought a brand new 2021 Toyota Sienna Hybrid. Uh, first, uh, first model year. Uh, I'm, I normally don't like buying first model years, but... Uh, this one came with the hybrid as standard instead of having the top end model still be a V6, which means you get mm. 35 miles the gallon instead of like 16 downhill with a tailwind. Uh, <laughs> but with the same, you know, similar towing and, and load capacities and things like that, we got every feature that we wanted and it was roughly the same price as if we just bought a V6 used one from a couple years ago. That yeah. was great. Um, but uh, our first service came up. We needed to get an oil change. So mm -hmm. dashboard thing went off. Hey, go get go get your service done. You, you know, your your first 5,000 mm -hmm. service. I said, okay. Uh, so we called the dealership. They were two and a half months out from being oh. out. Like, if I didn't schedule Did the day I bought the car, I couldn't get it serviced within 30 miles of me. So I went, well, I'm not going to destroy this new motor because Toyota themselves can't service it. I'll just take it to, right. you know, a local oil and lube place and just say, yeah. Hey, just, just do my oil, please. Mm -hmm. Um, the oil and lube place can't get the motor oil that's certified for this engine because it's a brand new engine and it's a brand new engine. And they don't have Toyota it. hasn't released yeah. any specs nor released mm -hmm. the formulation for it to be made. So I, I got, I got my windshield cleaned and, uh, and, all my lights tested, which they're all LEDs, and they said, "Yeah, sorry, we can't help you." Wow, there's not a. <laughs> is it, it's a. Oh man, that sucks. So you got to wait two months just to get your oil. So changed. we had to wait two months to get our oil changed, wow. which means we had to stop driving the car for a couple of weeks because, like, I. Wow. I'm not gonna do anything that could jeopardize a warranty. I'm not gonna mm -hmm. go, you know, three thousand past, especially its first service when it has braking oil in it. Right. Like. Yeah. Like I. Ah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's one that's dented prismatic. Oh, you might. Well, <laughs> let's open that one next and see what happens. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> There's a lot of electronics there. Nothing, that'll be fine. Yeah. But, yeah. 
uh, it should be in the car manual. It is in the car manual. The thing is that specific formulation of oil that they want for this, which is a, um, the thing with the hybrid car is the engine's only on some of the time and it comes on and it's immediate in, in the rev range because you can go up to 45 miles an hour in EV mode. Yeah. And then if it kicks onto the engine, it's got to be revving up. Yeah, there. and and yeah. so the engine will kick on from from dead flat and be expected to just go at three thousand RPM. And so there's a specific formulation of oil that they want in this particular engine because of the demands that are being met of it and the duty cycle of it and everything else, um, which does make sense. I mean, as yep. as a consumer, I'm benefiting from this because I get thirty five miles the gallon instead of sixteen miles the gallon with the previous technology. I will certainly take that as a win. The problem is I'm now locked into the Toyota dealership for getting service and my service was two and a half months out. Yeah. You're you're at you're at their mercy. Right. At this point. Yeah. And so if they're like, no, you can't do it. Now I don't get because you're in Salem, but I think there's only like one Toyota dealership down there. Is there two? Uh there's only one. There's one in Salem. Uh there's one in Wilsonville. Uh, and other than that, you go Portland or, or Eugene, like there's yeah, nothing in true. between. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go auto row, uh, uh, in Eugene is the next closest. Wow. Yeah. I know the Wilsonville one is I've seen that. You can see it from the freeway. Yeah. Help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but going back to right to repair, um, don't let, don't let the companies who are holding all the keys right now convince you that this is the end of the road, that this is what you wanted. This is what right. you asked for. This is not what we asked for. This is kind of barely a first step. <laughs> yeah. It's a good step in the right direction. But. First step, there's a lot more. There's a, there's a marathon to run here. There's a lot more and, uh, there that's needed. Definitely. So we hope to see more good news continuing on like this. But <clears throat> I got to keep that pressure on. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Plex announced that they will end podcast support on their platform on Friday. Yeah. So uh, you use Plex at home, right? Uh, I do. I yeah. use Plex quite uh, a bit I, here. I, I do as well. Have you ever used the podcast feature? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I have I don't 30 know other apps that I would rather I know, use first than Plex. No, me too. I mean, I like to listen to podcasts quite a bit, but it's yeah. usually when I'm doing things around the house. Mm -hmm. So I'll stream it from my phone. Right. And I'll put some wireless headset on and I'll do my thing and I'll listen to a podcast. Yeah. I never once considered using Plex to do that. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing with, with Plex. And, and I... I mean, this is uh, just coming from a user and a reviewer standpoint. Um, Plex got so good at what it was good at, and that is yeah. self-hosting your media library. Exactly. Uh, converting your old DVD library and having them available on demand for all of your devices wherever you go. That's what I use it for. Great. That's it's, what pretty much everyone else uses it for. Great for that. Yes. Right. Uh, same thing with music consolidation. It's a great library that you can stream your music to. Mm -hmm. um, independent of uh, an iTunes tie-in or, 
you know, a Spotify account or anything like that, especially for those of us who had massive CD libraries and and things like that. And, um, so for that as well. Right. Uh, so it's amazing for that. The problem is I feel like Plex almost painted themselves into a corner with the self-hosting aspect of it. And so now that they're aggressively reaching out and trying to forge new relationships and bring services that are not self-hosted into this environment, they've done two things. They've kind of a little bit alienated their main base of users um, because I I use Plex because I don't want to be advertised 30 different movies or whatever right, the, exactly. the flavor of the day is and who paid for a front page spot. But now all of a sudden, every time I log into Plex, I've got notifications that, hey, live TV is now available on Plex. Hey, link your like Disney I, Plus account to Plex. It's like, yeah, I know. I got that too. And like, I, I didn't want that. Uh, I, I, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> right. Um, and and I was a little, I was a little let down by that. Uh, yeah. You know, it, um, and it's not that it's, it's probably a pretty darn good service. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I had, because I saw, I saw the where you can link to other other mm-hmm. accounts, and I thought about using it, but I'm like, I, do I really want to? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think you're right. I think they got to a point where they did what they set out to do really well, mm-hmm. which is the self-hosting of the media. And that's something that a lot of people like and seek out for. But then they kind of got that mastered. It's like, where do we go from there? Yeah. How do we justify this dev team that we have? What do we do? And they probably like had these just tons of ideas and, and they started just putting out the requirements and like, oh, let's start cranking them out. Right. Um, and to be fair, there's some decent movies that are on, on Plex for free. Um, you know, if you don't mind watching a couple ads and if you don't mind, you know, not self-hosting. But like I said, they kind of painted themselves into the corner of being the rah-rah self-host, you know, build your own library kind of thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden things that I never downloaded, I had no desire to watch, I, you know, are now being suggested within my Plex application every time I boot it up. And yeah. and and I've got a Plex pass. I've got a Plex lifetime pass. Uh, yeah. And uh, as TechGeek points out, uh, for $10, thank you, TechGeek, uh, paid for a lifetime Plex Pass, and I 100% don't regret it. Perfect for all my totally legitimate trademark uh, movies and TV. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I use it for, is all of my totally legitimate season packs of whatever <laughs> the current show yeah. is that I totally owned the DVDs for prior to, to completing Plex. Completely. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, <laughs> totally I mean, so it looks like it's like maybe they're like, maybe they're taking a step back and maybe trimming off some of that fat they're like okay we're not really doing this no one's really using it as a mm-hmm. feature uh so let's just kind of cut it out I, I did actually notice kind of last time you know when they started adding features that the interface is starting to get a little cluttered well, cluttered right a little cluttered it's like ah oh, what are these icons and what do they mean exactly so i liked it when it was just oh movies tv music Right. And, and only what I added and, and only what I added. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it kept track of it and it organized it and it made it all mm-hmm. easy to watch on any device. Now it's oh, getting yeah. a little complicated and it's not quite what I wanted when I set it up. Yeah. 
So, but I I can't fault them for trying to continue to grow and no, bring in I, new customers. I and like I said, they they they've really mastered what they set out to do, and then now they're like, ah, what do we do next? Right. Well, subscriptions well, are the way of the future. <laughs> yeah, well, they are. I guess you don't you don't. Uh, I guess if you you make a product that uh, is a subscription based thing, that's how you're gonna keep making money. Right. Otherwise, you have to do like Microsoft does and release the same thing over and just move menu items around so people have to train to find out where they're at again. Yep. Or be like Microsoft and have a contract that says you have to release a new version every so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, offer a service that has been free or ad supported in the past and then make it a premium service that has a subscription tied to it and see how your user base dies off. A la New York Times, CNN, World Press. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's that? CNN plus, like, they, they, they had this big announcement and they got, like, what, maybe... Maybe ten thousand. I had I had at that. I had dozens of ads across my Twitter timeline for like a week and a half straight about sign up for CNN Plus and get you know. It's like, oh, they're going with a premium service now. Okay, um, right. <laughs> and then yeah, like like me and millions of others, no one signed up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I think like what. Uh, one day after they released it, they already had like slashed the price to half. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we got a special one-time offer, lifetime half off. Yep. Uh, still not that many takers. You know what you should be a taker on? Today's video sponsor. That's correct. Right. Uh, today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Linode. If you've ever needed to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, but don't have the resources to invest into hardware, power, cooling, time, or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software from most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex server, speaking of, and more. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also recently announced they are the first alternative cloud provider to have NVMe block storage available to all customers. In September, they began rolling out NVMe drives to all 11 of their global data centers. Best of all, storage rates will remain at the same low price they always have been. Visit Linode.com slash Craft Computing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's Linode.com slash Craft Computing and a huge thanks to Linode for continuing to sponsor Talking Heads and this episode. You can get Linode in your abode. <laughs> Would you Linode in a house? Would you Linode with a mouse? <laughs> you know, there's something to that. There, I think we talked about this before. There, there, there's an ad spot there. Yeah, right? I know. I think there is. Would you self-host with a mouse? Would you? <laughs> you can. You can. You got. You got yourself a uh, like a cat in a hat type costume or something like that. <laughs> All a. Uh, Mike Myers. <laughs> I was thinking like reading Rhett to sleep or something like that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I get Rhett a binky, get him a little blanket. Dad, read a, me a story. A teddy bear. 
Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Make sure he's got a real big beard yeah. and, a, and a bib. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, Denver, uh, $10. Magnuson Moss Warranty and Repair Act. I am well aware of the Magnuson Moss Warranty and Repair Act. Uh, you cannot be required to use manufactured parts or oil. They try, but you'd win the lawsuit. Here's the deal. You have to go to trial. You have to sue them. You have yeah. to prove who has more resources. Yeah. It's not me. Usually... Usually you have to get like a class action lawsuit to fight those type of things. Because right. You need a whole bunch of people that are willing to put it together because they cost a lot of money. But and then usually what happens is you get like you might get 30 bucks at the end. Right. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, look at the the monitor price fixing that was happening in the early 2000s. Look at yeah. AMD FX and the, uh, uh, you know, uh advertising yeah well they yeah. they had that just recently they had the the class action <laughs> lawsuit against nvidia and their uh the 9400 or the 9000 series the, cards yeah no it was the 970 it was the oh that's right the, there was the 3.5 gig versus 4 gig yeah. 970 they called it 4 gig and there was 4 gig but only two 3.5 was the actual fast ram and then the other was the slow one it, it was because it of the memory uh controller that they had on it was only capable yeah. of recognizing 3.5 so you could recognize up to 3.5 at full speed but then you had to share channel one with mm -hmm. with your remaining yeah. 512 yeah um so there was um and i had i had a 970 and i was like well they're gonna get a class action lawsuit I'll, I'll take it yeah and i think i got 90 bucks out of the deal yeah something like that but here's the deal toyota will eventually make that oil and that formulation available and known and and whatnot yeah. because there are laws protecting automotive uh consumers and and there are protections in place to guarantee that i have that right to buy oil from not only toyota but from anyone else um the problem is it's still not available right now <laughs> and uh toyota's been a little slow about getting that out getting that information out there um so and you want to know, and you want to know why they're being slow? We'll go on to our next news story, and you'll find out why. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> um, they're too busy. Yeah, because they're too busy fighting you and I already. Yes. Uh, speaking of the automotive industry, seems to be a trend for this week, so we'll continue that right along. Um, Honda, yes, that Honda. Uh, just ordered 3D printable download websites to remove any 3D printing model that contains the word Honda or any related nomenclature from their site. Um, so any Honda logos, any, any car recreations, any, anything like that that's misappropriating their, their brand. Unfortunately, the takedown order also came against user-created 3D parts that were accessories for cars that are well within fair use. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a terrible, terrible precedent, if true. And, and the biggest tragedy is that you cannot download and print 
a 3D figure of E Honda from Street Fighter 2. Right. They took it. They took him out because <laughs> he's got a Honda in his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Honda has essentially blacklisted anything referencing the word Honda prior to March 30th, 2022. Uh, and all models with the word Honda were removed from printables without warning. Um, and as they say, this not only included, you know, Honda logos and emblems and things like that, which are legal gray area as far as, you know, branding goes. You know, you, you can protect your brand and your image and, and you know, your your trademarks. But also included speaker brackets and key housings and replacement parts like hood latches and shifter bear uh, bushings and washer fluid caps, roof latch handles, trunk lid handles, etc., etc., which are legitimate third-party non-OEM parts. Yeah. Which is perfectly legal. And you can advertise it as being for a 97 Honda Accord because that's the vehicle that it fits. That, that stops being a trademark at that point and it becomes a part list for what vehicle it will fit on. Yes. Which is completely legitimate to completely advertise. Completely legal. Oh, yeah. Like, you want, you want like, an extender in your cup holder to fit a giant big gulp? Well, yeah. It's actually a very common thing for C5 yeah. Corvettes and 350Zs is cup yeah. holder 3D printables. <laughs> yeah. uh, because the cup holders in both those cars are awful. Tiny. Yeah, teeny tiny. So they're like, I want mm-hmm. I want the Homer Simpson size one. And so, yeah, they, they, they will try to get rid of those. Those are completely legitimate to, to print out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, do like, I do like everybody in chat are talking about you wouldn't download a car. They're trying to stop us from downloading a car. I would totally download a car. <laughs> I'd totally download a car. Uh, yeah, not only that, would that... I download a car, I heavily considered trying to download the model of the DB4 and putting, uh, because there was a project that was going on for a long time of a guy who got a 3D scan of an Aston Martin DB4 and was 3D printing himself a shell to put over a tubular chassis. And I thought that would always be just the coolest project to embark on. Oh, yeah. Is 3D print whatever car you want. Yeah. And at that point, I would totally download a car. Right. (laughs) And I've got a 3D printer. Like, why wouldn't I drive whatever car that I want? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it may take you, like, just a god-awful amount of plastic filling and whatever, but yeah. It would be a nightmare for finishing fit and finish uh assembly um like make no bones about it 3d printing is a manufacturing process it's not you know it's not a star trek replicator no unlike what star trek picard would like you to believe that a resin print popped up in about three seconds and he didn't need (laughs) gloves to grab onto it or you know isopropyl wash it and then put it in uv to cure it no 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 he could just take it out and read the numbers straight off that definitely printed in one pass resin model (laughs) (laughs) of course at least it was on supports (laughs) um but yeah uh, it's it's not an easy process um but back to uh you know this particular uh story uh let's see i can confirm that we have received a letter from a lawyer representing honda informing us that we were required to remove any model which used honda in the listing the model itself 
or one of the several trademarks and logos also associated with Honda. So that would be uh, Acura. That would also be any proper model or any proper make slash model of a Honda car. Um, so I wonder if, you know, the uh, uh, the element stones from uh, Ocarina of Time had to be removed. If, oh, yeah. Uh, Elements, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know... Your civic podium got removed from your your D and D playset. Uh, <laughs> I mean, all kinds, yeah, all kinds of crossovers. Yeah, you probably fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and that was according to a Prusa spokesman that t that talked to the drive, and then also quote: "This will also be related to the naming of files. Uh, as for Honda, this would be considered a violation of the trademark and patents." And I can kind of understand protecting your trademark and patents. Like I said, I, I have no problem with Honda taking down their logos. You know, illegitimate use of their logos. Mm -hmm. um, however, it's still kind of... This is Domino's suing Sam Crack for, for buying one of their, their pizza rolling Chevy Aveus at auction. Like, just because someone buys a car doesn't yeah. mean you still have rights over the livery that came on that car. Um, yep. In much the same way, putting a brand on your car that you already own may be considered fair use in some trials, but again, you'd have to go to trial to prove it. Yeah, fair use is not a, a blank I, check. I, I would think that too, because like it's, it's a known logo and people are printing them out, but are they using that logo and that, that, for themselves as a representation that they are from Honda. Mm -hmm. Now that would be definitely illegal, right? Um, misappropriation of trademark. Misappropriation That's... of trademark. Right. That that would be that would be. But if, like you said, if it's just fair use, people are printing it out, and and especially like when it is just blatantly just something that Honda doesn't provide, mm -hmm. they're going a little too far with that. They're they're casting <laughs> a really 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 wide net. Yes, and I think that could get them into some trouble. This this terrifies me in particular, and I, I hate the term slippery slope. I hate it because no one ever uses it right. Um, you know, people often use slippery slope as a, a thing to discriminate against people. Like, well, first we we allow them into our, our classrooms and our neighborhoods, and next it's cats and dogs sleeping with each other. It's a slippery slope, I tell you. Like, that's... It, it's okay, Boomer. That's usually the argument. Uh, this is actually a little bit of a slippery slope when it comes to trademark, patent, cosplay, etc. Because who who here cosplays? Who here has ever made something from a TV show, whether it be for personal use or or to walk a con floor with? If you're a paid Twitch streamer or you're making yeah. these replicas professionally on youtube or in other some other media i'm i'm looking at you know builder and props punished props i'm looking at adam savage i'm looking at all of these other figures who are taking trademarks which they have no legal right to remaking these parts in 3d space showing the instructions on how to make these things um all while not owning the trademark and and supposedly it's all fair use and all fine 
But we also get cases of B is for build being, uh, getting a cease and desist from the owners of Gone in 60 Seconds for the use of the name Eleanor when he was recreating a, a Mustang project, uh, yes. you know, in his garage. And, and I, I totally like cosplay as a 1993 Honda Civic hatchback. And I go <laughs> to conventions. I mean, I don't go into the convention. Steve actually identifies cos- as a 1993 I, yeah, I cosplay, so CRV I have to stay in the parking right. lot. I have to stay in the parking lot. I can't go inside because cars aren't allowed inside. Right, right. Sorry, CRX hatchback. Yeah, CRX. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you can no longer cosplay as a Honda Civic. No, I can't. They're going to take that away. It, there's not many layers of separation between you cannot write Honda or this 3D print fits a 97 Honda Accord door latch to here's a Honda logo to here's a recreation of Luke's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. There's not that many steps when it comes to trademark, patent, etc. law. Um, so are is this kind of the first step of we're going to start seeing C and Ds for user recreated models on, on 3d printing websites. Is this, yeah. are we going to start seeing C and Ds for people who are cosplaying professionally dressing up and selling photos of themselves as, you know, uh, I mean, characters from all, the Witcher or mass effects or, and, and all this is going to do is it one, it's going to make sites that let you download these things shy away from it and just capitulate because they don't want to they don't have the resources to fight honda or you know big right. companies so they'll just they'll just be like okay we'll capitulate we don't want to have to try to fight this right and then all those things are going to start <laughs> popping up in your local torrent sites and pretty soon pirate bay is going to have a whole section of like here's a car you can download yeah right. you can download a car now and and where's the limit of uh derivative work when it comes to fair use and creating a 3D model of something that you saw online or from a TV show or from a movie or a video game or whatever else, um, is it a derivative work if you created a 3D model from scratch versus you based the STL off of an acquired asset from a 3D model that was in the game versus you did uh, photogrammetry and recreated it, including textures and and whatnot. Like, where's the line of yeah. what is fair use and what is not when it comes to cosplay elements and when it comes to replacement automotive cars that have been designed by the community? Yeah. Automotive parts, excuse me. Automotive or cars. even automotive in, in car car enhancements, like like you were saying, like right. the cup holder thing and stuff like that. That should be completely fine, mm-hmm. completely legit. Just cosplay as a Linux ISO. <laughs> <laughs> um any racing games having a 3d representation of a honda car actually racing games always license the cars from yes from do. them they and, have to. uh because they are making money off the brands and logos of those cars which is why every time you fire up forza or project cars or gran turismo it says that uh the the logos likes images representations of these cars are owners of their perspective or are owned by their prospective trademark holders. Um, that is a blanket license statement that's on the uh, on the opening screen of pretty much every car game because yeah. car companies defend their their rights, which is why you don't see name brand cars in games like BeamNG, uh, because they didn't pay a license. 
our our GTA, any of the GTAs. That's GTA, always, I right. mean, they're kind of they're always kind of funny. They always have the knockoff names, which are great. Right, you know, the croquette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those are always fun. Yep. I mean, but they look, you know, they like you you can tell what kind of car they were meant to be. Um, but they, they're not, they don't have the logos on it. They right. kind of have an off brand name, so they can't do anything with those, but then, Hey, we don't have to try to license that car right. for a game. That's and, why, and that's why it, Porsche was not in need for speed three. Yeah. Is EA couldn't afford the license for Porsche. So they went, screw it. We'll, we'll put McLaren and Chevy and a couple others in there. Oh, Porsche. <laughs> so I use slippery slope. But I see a direct correlation that a lot of copyright and trademark holders could make on 3D printing websites, not just on 3D printing websites, but extending even into real, you know, IRL scenarios with cosplayers, with people who have designed parts for specific things that are too close to a a copyrighted or trademarked patent, you know, doorstops. Oh yeah, you know like th- there there's a there's a doorstop that you can print that is one piece that goes onto the wall and it's a little socket about like this and then you print a nub that goes on that and it's a ball and socket you know doorstop lock so it'll hold the door open. Someone probably has a trademark on that, and I guarantee it's not the 3D printer modeler who put it in into Thingiverse or put it into printables or wherever it happens to be. Uh, fractal vices are real devices that you buy from real companies. Is the 3D fractal vice based on an existing trademark or patent? You don't know. <laughs> so we're we're getting into some really legal gray area with a lot of these things. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see which direction trademark, patent, license, etc. law ends up going in this realm. Because it's very unexplored. Now, we did miss the super chat. Yes. I don't know if you're going back there. Uh, saw it from Denver. Uh, sorry, we had already moved on to the next subject, so I didn't want to like derail us back <laughs> into Plex. No offense. Right. Uh, so Denver sends over $10. I still appreciate the $10. Uh, truly legitimate Plex user here, Plex DVR only. And I've been testing the Discover for the past week. Initially, I was horrified thinking the DVR feature would be removed. But gosh darn it, it's well done. That's good to hear. Um, I actually have never used the DVR feature in Plex. Um, I, like I said, I use Plex entirely for self-hosting my own library, and probably eighty-five to ninety percent of my library is the DVDs that I owned from you know, yeah. twenty years prior. Um, oh, yeah. So, if you look closely in some early videos of Craft Computing when I'm setting up my very first server rack in my house. Uh, you can see one of my servers has three DVD drives in the front of it, or two DVDs and one Blu-ray. You're ripping all, all your stuff. I was yeah. ripping all my stuff. That that system was running like 24-7, uh, copying yeah. my library and my parents' library and my wife's parents' library and like anything that we could rip and get our hands on, it went into that server. Oh, yeah. It wasn't torrents. It was straight rips. Oh, yeah. You can go to like Goodwill and get like 15 copies of... Uh... Can miss congeniality three right all you want right it's completely legit right 50 cents yep it's yours now oddly enough there are 16 copies of miss congeniality three on my plex server you can choose which release <laughs> you can choose which language which yeah oh yeah there you go yeah. anyway you want <sighs> 
getting close to being done with this. I'm actually liking this more and more now that it's warming up. Nice. I, I still have a Dr. Pepper. From... There you go. All right. Uh, I'm actually just done with my beer as well, so uh, I guess it's time to crack open the prismatic that I tried to crack open mm. on the tile floor a moment ago. Oh, yeah. Well, let's see if it's... Oh, it's it's totally fine. Yeah. It didn't hit that hard. Mm. Well, and then Kasi has those space-aged um, cans that don't... Uh... Yeah. Don't shake the intern inter internals of the beer. Yep. Perfect pour, or is it going to flow over? Oh, yeah, that's pretty nice. Look at that. Uh, just, oh, wait, I think there's something. No, 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 that's glare oh. off the light. I'm going to move it. See? Oh, wow, right there. Look at, that. look at that. Perfect pour. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, let's see. Denver says, I use it to stream 100% legally self-host my own library until ripping isn't a gray area. Ripping is not a gray area as long as you still own the original. You can still stream from a ripped copy. Uh, that has been uh, well documented as far as um, your rights as a consumer go. When it comes to software, that's a little bit more of a gray area, but again, software is just a copy of the original anyway, and so, yeah. Um, but... Now, sharing that library with somebody else... That is... In another state... Uh, yeah, now you're crossing state area. lines, that, you're getting the FBI involved. Going on there. Like, I, I, I don't think they're going to care. I don't think but, they you know. right. <laughs> Um that would be the most embarrassing thing ever to get busted by the FBI for sharing Miss Congeniality 3 with your cousin who like lives in California. <laughs> I would rather plead guilty. <laughs> what are you in jail for, son? Yeah. I, I let my cousin stream Miss Congeniality 3. <laughs> Whoa! He watched all 16 copies! Whoa! Leave that guy alone. He's hardcore. <laughs> Uh, Ian says, I reserve the right to modify the contents of my DRAM. Right? Right. Um, but no, uh, taking a backup copy of, of media that you legitimately own and even playing from that backup copy, so long as the original remains in your possession and you're not using both at the same time. Um, because the argument went back to CDs and ripping CDs to MP3s. And then when MP3 players yep. came out, it's like, well, how do I legally get music onto an MP3 player? Well, right. if you own a license to play the music on a CD, it doesn't matter if you ripped it to a tape or ripped it to an MP3 file and played oh, it on yeah. another device, as long as you're not using both simultaneously, using it in a public place for public consumption. Um, so that would be, you can't take a CD and go play it for your church youth group. That's actually a violation of the music license that you purchased along with that CD. Um, don't get me started on movie licensing and, and you know public performances and all that kind of crap because that is a long drawn out road that I spent many years navigating for various institutions. This, this, uh, I don't mean to stop you in your Before, stream. No, 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 this, you, this you have a barley wine. wine. You interrupt. This barley wine is is actually quite, well done and very good a little on the plummy side which i don't mind but man it's kind of got some caramel plummy notes it's absolutely delicious mm. ah, it's the kind of it's the kind of barley line i really really like 
and it being 11 percent <laughs> nice and warm now are you steve oh yeah i am <laughs> good to go yeah um but yeah like playing your library that you legally own for your own personal consumption not for you know public playback or charging admission or sharing your library with someone else or or, or a large enough group there, there are actually per person limits as far as what size group can hear the music while you're playing it again don't get me started yes, um, just about every single wedding that's out there pretty much violates that they get to a certain crowd size. oh absolutely uh yeah it it's actually more than like five if you have a family yeah, so of eight like, and you're playing yeah. music while you're cleaning the house and everyone can hear it you are violating the terms of your agreement good <laughs> sir Although if that song comes on the radio, then it becomes fair use. And so they're, I but don't know. Tape it off of, but if you tape it off the radio and then replay it off that. And taping off the radio has been declared fair use all the way back in like 1987 when cassette tapes started hitting mass market. Um, that if you played it for public consumption and there are devices out there that can capture it and play it back later, that's also what led to being able to program your VCR to record shows at eight o'clock and oh, not yeah. have to manually oh, yeah. set it because that was also a lawsuit that went all the way up. Yeah, I know. Oh um, yeah, there was a big lawsuit about that. Yeah. Well, we're airing this at eight o'clock and if they're not watching it at eight o'clock, they shouldn't get to watch it, you know, or if they're, they're not there to hit record on their VCR while it's airing, they shouldn't be able to watch it. Well, you broadcast yeah. it over public airwaves and they have a license to view it. So yeah. all they're doing is shifting time. And again, shifting time was a major deciding factor in deciding the license rights of the license it, holder. It kind of just blows my mind how quickly we've changed how we consume our media. Um, with just, Even just within like the last seven years, really. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, even up till about 10 years ago, going onto a cable channel and waiting for the time to watch a show that was still pretty mainstream. And nowadays that's almost completely foreign to a lot of people. Like when I tried to tell my son, you know, he's only five, but I mean, you know, cause he, he gets really annoyed with the ads on his YouTube channel. Whenever he watches like a Minecraft or playing something and yeah. an ad comes on and he's like, ah, and I'm like, it's only like 10 seconds. And I'm like, we had to endure at least, you know, five minutes of ads yeah oh it, it was three <laughs> minutes three times during the show and mm -hmm. seven minutes after it stopped yeah and within the time you only had that time to go go pee go get a snack you got real efficient at going upstairs and picking out a snack and coming back yeah um yeah the whole MPAA, RIAA versus the rights of your individual licensing is, is an argument as old as music itself, almost. Um, and the so, way to propagate it now, it's, it's, I think they've just kind of given up because there's just no way. they. Really oh, they haven't given up. Their, their current tactic is to go after uh, single parents who have no no uh ability to to even do recourse and so they will still go after you for downloading mp3s if your kid downloaded something i, I haven't I, I heard of that case 
gosh, probably was about 10 years ago. I did hear about that, but I haven't heard anything lately. There was one recently enough that we talked about it on the show. Oh, was it? Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't remember what that was, but yeah, if it's recent. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's their latest tactic. And I actually brought up, well, there are limits to what should be the punishable amount for stealing, which is what they're claiming, stealing a video or stealing a song or something like that, because it's the retail value times eight. Yeah. So levying a $250,000 punishment for downloading a piece of music, that seems like against our rights, but that's what the MPAA and RIAA managed to negotiate through Congress by lining the pockets of, of various legislatures and, or sorry, lobbying, lobbying. Um, and yeah, uh, I said I didn't want to get into music licensing. <laughs> Megan, stop. All right, we're moving on now. I, I know there's a conversation on. about Divix yeah. happening, which is yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, so I still remember the Divix format. The Divix format. Yeah, and and we're not talking was, about Divix the codec, which no, still no, does exist. Yeah, no, which still does exist. What nobody really uses. No one uses Divix no. anymore, right? Uh, no. But no, Divix the format, which came out a couple of years after DVDs, uh, and it was a dial-in license rental service where you would go yeah. to Circuit City or you know before Best Buy, you know wherever you would go. Um, you know, software, etc., or wherever, Walmart, you would purchase a disc of a movie. And uh, the two that I still have somewhere are Deep Impact and Small Soldiers. Um, these were DVD <laughs> discs. Still still sound like they're legit movies, but still sound like they could be porn movies. Right, right. Um, <laughs> boy, boy, were my parents surprised. Uh, so... Uh, but you would purchase the disc and it would be something like $15. Uh, which was actually a deal for the movies back then because the DVDs were selling for like 30 and 35 bucks oh, yeah. when, oh, yeah, when yeah. these first came out. Um, and so you take the disc home and the copy of the disc includes the right to play it back for, I believe it was three days. And so you put it into a special DVD player that also had DivX that was connected to your phone line um, that would then call in and tell DivX to start the timer on, on this license. And you had 72 hours to watch your movie. Uh, and you can watch it as many times as you want in 72 hours. And then after 72 hours, your player would no longer play the disc. Uh, however, you could re-rent the license for like $5. And so you could enter your credit card information into your DivX player and, and rebuy a license yeah. to watch Deep Impact again. And why didn't this take off? Oh my gosh, why did this take off? Right, right. <laughs> um, and, and as it turns out, if you bought a DivX player, then sometime around 2003, 2004, uh, as a result of a class action lawsuit for false advertising and a couple other things, you would have received like a $50 check from the Divix Corporation for, mm -hmm. for broken promises. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was a, a relic of some of the first instances of 
online DRM for movie playback that would limit your licensure for specific titles. It's back before Sony figured out how to how to install secure ROM through through playing back an audio disc on your Windows PC. Oh yeah. Wasn't wasn't the way to get around that is to use like a marker and then you mark to the edge of it. Yeah. And then and then it wouldn't read it and it would just let you go straight through it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and you could throw the disc away, right? Yeah, if you never planned on watching it again, you could just throw the disc away. Um uh, uh oh, and Divix only had four by three pan and scan titles. That is not true. Uh I had um, I know Small Soldiers was a two-sided disc that I could turn over and watch either full screen or widescreen. It was such a waste. Yes, it was, Mr. Gearling. It was. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was very But we're moving on. See me moving on? I'm done talking about licensing. <laughs> done. Uh, Raspberry Pi removes an iconic user from their default installs. So... Anyone who ever had a Raspberry Pi knows that your Raspberry Pi comes with a default user named Pi. Uh, and the default password is? Raspberry. Raspberry. Uh, this has been a staple since Raspberry Pi came out. Oh my gosh, yeah, the very first. Right, with with Raspbian and later what was renamed to Raspberry Pi OS. Um, it has been a staple of, you know, the Raspberry Pi image. Uh, however, as Raspberry Pis have been placed into production <laughs> uh, as servers, they're they're a, a self-hosted. Oh yeah, you know, the, well, you can connect them to to the internet. So I mean, yeah, people can reach them if you right. want. Right, they're a favorite uh, new default user, Redshirt Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm really upset, by the way, that I didn't think of Redshirt Jeff first. Because uh, I, I have Editor Jeff, and I have uh, Mirror Universe Jeff. Um, and we both have beards, so it's really confusing who's on screen. Uh, but I'm really... <laughs> evil Evil Universe Jeff is completely shaved. Yeah. And his, and his kids are scared of him. Yeah. Because he's completely shaved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's not completely shaved, at least not his face. <laughs> it's really tough to tell a Spartan public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, can see. I can see. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, because Raspberry Pis are so loved by a lot of people who do a lot of self-hosting, and they're often connected directly to the internet, um, they have a security issue on their hands where the default user and password is included in every single Raspberry Pi, which is Pi and Raspberry. And everybody knows about it. That has become one of the go-to uh, sniffing username and, and password credentials that will hit your firewall. Um, I started seeing it up a couple, or started seeing it show up a couple years ago uh, in firewall logs, where you would get admin admin and admin one two three four five and admin love and root root and root admin and and all these other kinds of things. Plus, you'd see the HP defaults and super micro defaults and and whatnot showing up and all of a sudden you started seeing pi and raspberry for ssh exception uh and of course if you have a good firewall they're being denied but if you have a raspberry pi that's directly plugged plugged into a wan connection and accepting incoming service yeah you could have gotten owned you could have gotten hit yeah right so uh 
I will say good on the Raspberry Pi Foundation for finally realizing this, that this is more than just a tinkerer board. And the, there's a difference between knowing and knowing is, is what I kind of like in this too. Uh, and that Raspberry Pi, the foundation, is a fantastic organization and really does have the nonprofit mindset of getting technology into the hands of people who wouldn't or- ordinarily be able to afford it. And especially with the Raspberry Pi 4, you can have an affordable desktop computer for 100 bucks. Like, you could be online for 100 bucks. Oh, yeah. Um, and and that's fantastic. And it's open source and it's tinkerable and you can do whatever you want and, and whatnot. Uh, the downside to that is because it's such an accessible board and it's so easy to deploy and it's so easily manageable and it runs all open source software and it's just a Linux kernel and it's just this and it's just that. Mm-hmm. And it's so inexpensive that you can run it in almost any scenario where you need something to just kind of toss out there and run a digital signage display and or, you know, log weather patterns and air quality out in the middle of a field somewhere with a WAN connection. Super simple functions. Right, super simple functions. It's fantastic for that. Yeah. And there's a difference between knowing and knowing. Raspberry Pi understood that people use it for that functionality. However, they came at it from the accessibility mindset of it's great to have a default username and password. They didn't come at it from a security perspective of maybe that's not a good thing. So... They've always understood the market for Raspberry Pi is massive. And now they're kind of addressing the the need to look at some security settings. And silly YouTubers keep pimping the things, right? <laughs> no, they are great, but you're right. That that is a big security hole, especially mm-hmm. if you hook them up to the internet of things. You know. Yep. Uh, perhaps California laws on default logins kicked in properly, and that could totally be a uh, uh, a thing that happened. Was this was impending uh, an impending enforcement that they had to do if they wanted to distribute Raspberry Pi OS in the state of California, uh, which I'm assuming they would like to do. Uh, did I see the new PCIe card on CM4 boards? Of course I did. I commented on that Twitter thread. Gosh, I, I, I tweeted out the mining board so we could, like, make an 18-pi cluster on with an x86 backbone. Like, yeah, I'm game. I'll fly out to St. Louis. <laughs> um, IoT should Internet of... Def- uh, Internet of Things should Internet of Default Passwords, security cameras, home NASs, etc. Yeah, um... The thing is, we're we're almost to the point where every single device that has a network connection should either be defaulted off of remote connections, yeah. um, set up to deny anything outside of a local LAN connection. Um, although you still have the issue of what if I just have a security camera connected directly to a cable modem uh, because I just need to broadcast that feed. I don't want to put a router out and triple my cost of deployment. Uh, but it's almost getting to the point where every device should come with a randomly generated password. And it wouldn't be that hard to do. I mean, you just put a little sticker on the side. Mm-hmm. Every password's different. Although, if you do lose it or peel it off or something like that, you're kind of screwed. You have to go factory reset. 
Yep. I guess making <laughs> making fact. Man, I guess if you do a factor reset, you have to burn in the chip what that random password is. Right. That is kind of an expense. You um, would also have to have a way if you didn't hard code each password into each device, a way of randomly generating a password and a way for the user to retrieve said randomly generated password. Yeah, um, and, and, and to securely retrieve that password. Right. It, it's uh, one only, th- only, only locally on that device. You have to be there to locally. Right, it, it's one thing on non-embedded software. So um, starting up a... Uh, starting up a Linux server or a service on, on a server somewhere mm-hmm. and, and it installs an Apache web server and gives you a default password for your first login. But it's a randomly generated password and you're seeing it during the install script. You're seeing the output of that device. That, that's one thing. Right. It's completely another thing to have a Raspberry Pi, which may be being deployed completely headless. How do you set up a random password for that? And how do you have the user retrieve it without plugging in an HDMI monitor every time they want to retrieve right, said password. It. Yeah, yeah. So there's cost that's, in that. There's uh, uh, Yeah, oh yeah, there is. Yeah. There's there's no real super easy way of doing that. I mean, low tech would be like, okay, well, each each ROM that we print out for this thing is going to have a randomly generated number that's going to be the default password and we have to put a sticker on it then when we sell it. Yeah. God help you if you lose that sticker, you know? Uh, so we do have a couple super chats uh, from Tech Geek. Five dollars says Jeff Fafa, <laughs> J E P H P H for my uh, my alternate evil Jeff spelling. Jeff Fafa. Jeff Fafa. Fafa. Yeah. Jeff Fafa. Uh, Denver sends over two dollars. Uh, Jeff or Jeff opinions, uh, and Jeff Gearling says it's Jeff and it's Jeff. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I'm just going to imply the uh, the pronunciation you you wanted, and you know I'm right. So <laughs> I'm older than you anyway, so I'm just going to claim superiority and leave. Have you seen the dancing baby video from Ally McBeal? Oh yeah, the GIF. Yes, <laughs> I have. Oh, that GIF. Yes, <laughs> that's totally how it went. Search your feelings, redshirt Jeff. You know it to be true. Okay. Uh, moving on to ugh, NFT news. Uh, Jack Dorsey's first ever tweet on Twitter uh, sold as an NFT. It initially went on sale for $48 million, in which Jack Dorsey said he would donate 50% up to $25 million to charity. Has sold for 280 bucks. Oh. No, Jack Dorsey didn't sell it. I guess it's got it got sold right. by Jack Dorsey. Somebody bought it, yeah, and then they tried to sell it as an NFT, and it only sold for right two hundred and eighty bucks. Okay, yes, uh, uh, yes. Although, although, yeah. Well, this is because when I first saw this, I thought, oh, did Jack Dorsey do that? And I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem right. No, it wasn't. It was it was some uh, Saudi national. I believe. that's right because Jack Dorsey sold the tweet like last year or something like. That. Yeah, yeah. So some crypto entrepreneur named Sina Astave. Or Stavi, I guess. Yeah, he bought the the tweet from mm-hmm. Jack Dorsey as an NFT for two point nine million dollars. Yes, put it on sale for forty eight million, mm-hmm. thinking that NF- NFTs are just going to take off, especially some first tweet from Jack Dorsey. 
And it gathered the paltry sum of $280. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you how stupid NFTs are, I don't know. Nothing will. Someone someone really, really thought NFTs were going to take off. If it looks like money laundering and it smells like money laundering and all the early money has already invested in it and is now trying to bail on it, it's probably yeah. money laundering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you know what? You're right. NFTs is like the perfect money laundering scheme. Right. There's no tangible make, product. Make make a doodle on a napkin. Crypto is like the MLM for NFT. men. Yeah. And be like, hey, <laughs> I made, and then put it up, put it up on sale for $48 million. Have your shell company buy it. Money laundered right there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Ian says NFT. No effing. Thank you. Could not agree more. NFT equals Ponzi scheme. Right. Um, bro, you just don't get I, it. NFTs are the future. You just don't get yeah. it, bro. Um, yeah. Tell you what, I will sell. I will mint an NFT for every frame in this live stream. And you can buy each one of them for a penny. Like, I'll, I'll sell you the NFT for any individual frame you want for mm-hmm. a penny. You want the whole bundle? I'll sell it to you for like, you know, three grand. Wait, wait, wait. That's a deal. That one's that one's gonna be at least a nickel. Right, right. There you go. Well, there, there's like seventy frames there. No, I know those are five cents a piece. Right. Uh, how many NFT games are actually games and not RNG pull or are not rug pulls? Right. Uh, yeah, not the futures token. Uh, yeah, and I say this for NFTs as well as crypto. Like, like I'm in the camp that. The people who get into NFTs and crypto are the same people who get into gold is the thing when, that you want when the government goes under. You want to you want to buy gold and silver and diamonds and and raw raw minerals and what that's going to be what's worth things. Um, and I've said this before. Well, I'm not a lot of people do that because of stability, not because they think it's going to be something bigger. Right, but yeah, but it's traditionally like the preppers and and things of of that mindset. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not that I have anything wrong with, you know, a somewhat prepper mentality. Um, but those are the bros that I often hear repeating this stuff. Oh, yeah, they think they think like uh when the government fails, you're going to want to have some Ethereum in your wallet. Uh, yes, yeah, see, I don't know about that. That that is not very convincing. <laughs> Especially with how manipulative the market for cryptos can be. Right. That doesn't seem, you know, that yeah, I mean yeah, investing in gold makes more sense than yeah. investing in crypto yeah. when it comes to like you know. Ray Hell says he wants frame sixty nine. That's a whole quarter. That's going to be a whole quarter. Right. Yeah. Twenty five cents for frame sixty nine and four twenty for frame four twenty. Yeah. <laughs> you want the nice stuff? You got to pay a nice price. Yeah. Um. Uh. And. Ian says he has he has five figures in crypto. Um, crypto is fine so long as people maintain that it holds value. Yeah. The thing it is thing. for for me it is so volatile and and I, I've I've talked about crypto in general about there's no traditional backing for the value of it. It's valuable because it people say it's valuable, which anymore that's kind of why. You know, other things have value too. Yeah. Uh, but 
at least with things like the US dollar. It's the US gross domestic product that backs our currency and says our currency has value on a world stage and even, you know, intra-borders. But why does crypto have value? Because everybody says it does. <laughs> right. It, I, it, I, it's it's a non-traditional a currency without a backing a, to it. There was a modicum of, of processor power that was used to produce it. And as it gets higher it that that energy to produce it gets significantly higher so i don't know maybe maybe it's backed by energy consumption which that doesn't make any sense really but but it does it does have some kind of value if it's being traded and people are putting their money where their mouth is so there is money to be made there but are you saying you trust the government over your fellow man? Uh, I don't trust anyone if I'm being honest. Yeah. I can always go back to the barter system. I got, I got, a, I got a whole bunch of, I got a whole bunch of old keyboards that I can trade for a goat if I need to. Yeah. Crypto has value to people involved in ransomware. There you go. Why does gold have value or diamonds or at, at least gold is conductive? True. Uh, gold and silver and diamonds. And I put diamonds in quotes because. Because diamonds isn't as rare as people think. It's, but... they're, they're not rare. They're artificially controlled, much like crypto. <laughs> like I, That's true. Out, outside of silver and, and gold, I think diamonds are the most equitable thing to crypto. They're value because they're valuable because the diamond companies tell you they're valuable and you need diamonds to to get married and get engaged and give it at you know every 10th anniversary that you have and you know you want to spend thousands on, on this engagement ring because she's worth it even though we've got 17 million of them and all have been have been farmed with blood money like <laughs> if i only could convince that my nose hairs are more rare than diamonds that they'll be using that for currency sometime in the future uh again if, <laughs> i i should have been collecting my my bottle caps the entire time yeah. i've been running craft computing just for the lulls of it in like year 17 yeah, yeah ra rarity doesn't always automatically equal value right i mean it does if it's collectible well it depends have you shopped ebay rare mints <laughs> blah 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 it's like yeah i had three of those when they were new oh yeah 3D effects, rare. Just because you say it's rare doesn't mean it's rare. Yeah. As someone who just paid off a wedding band, diamonds can eat my butt. <laughs> yeah. I, I have similar thoughts. Uh, so I, I have a wedding band. I, um, I was young, dumb, and full of something. And uh, yeah. gosh darn it if I didn't give Zales Jewelers $600 for my tungsten wedding band. Uh, which, by the way, I was <laughs> years old and... Couldn't afford it, so I just financed the damn thing. So yeah, I, I think yeah, my $600 I band ended up costing me like $1,800 because I didn't default on it, but I also made minimum payments for like seven years on the effing thing. So as as we did the same on my, my wife's engagement ring wedding band set, like, gosh darn it. And, you know, you bought your wedding bands because... That's what was expected. That's what I expected. Yeah, yeah. I think I paid. I think I paid fifteen hundred for both mine and mine and my wife's. Yeah, we we were into it for bands. slightly more, but you're also slightly yeah. older. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll give you inflation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give me some inflation. But yeah, no, yeah. I think that's what we did. And I don't even wear it anymore. It doesn't even fit me anymore. Who cares? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I will say, I I would probably have a much different opinion on crypto had I gotten into crypto earlier and was actually invested in it. Um, like because crap load of money off. But it. because then, but that's because I would then have a vested interest in the value of crypto. And so it, it's also this weird thing where I'm on the outside criticizing it. So you got the sour grapes, so you're like, ah, I didn't make any money off it. So it it's, it's not even necessarily sour grapes. It's, it's even at the beginning, I'm going, okay, so we're mining what? We're doing calculations so someone can... Oh, blockchain? Okay, I understand blockchain, or at least the yeah. the very, very basics of what blockchain right. is. Yeah, and, that's what I do, yeah. And whatnot. And I understand how blockchain itself could be a valuable technology, but why is evolving the blockchain of Bitcoin and Ethereum worth something on a monetary basis to the end users who hold a piece of the blockchain? It's a blockchain to keep track of the blockchain. And... <laughs> where's the value yeah, yeah, I, yeah. um yeah. like so i understand that um but i also understand that i considered renting out uh shut down computer labs from colleges uh over you know summers when they weren't being used or like the lab rental fee and and there were there were computer labs that you could rent for like a hundred dollars a day that had, you know, GTX or or even, you know, yeah, you get the competing power to mine Quadro, if you want, yeah, Quadro K twenty two hundreds and and such in that, you know, not the best computers in the world, but you get thirty five of them running together. You know, I'll pay the hundred dollar rental for the day and just let my software run for the next thirty days. I totally considered that. You know, I'm not into it for any of my hardware. I'm not into it for any electricity costs. I'm just into it for what the college would charge me to rent the lab. For whatever process I want to run that day. <laughs> uh, Craft Computing, did I see that the Russians took the RTX 2000 series GPUs out of the computers at Chernobyl as they withdrew? <laughs> I had not seen that. <laughs> what they were <laughs> so apparently when the russians withdrew from chernobyl they withdrew or they took out the rtx 2000 series graphics cards that were in the computers running the chernobyl They're, they 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 have computers running chernobyl uh the the computers that are running in chernobyl apparently they had some rtx 2000 graphics cards in them so like wow, rtx 2070s probably... 2080s I didn't think there was anybody in Chernobyl. Yes. Yeah. The, no, it, it's still a manned facility. Is it really? Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. But the Russians took it over at one point and then they had to withdraw yeah. from it. They lost it. But apparently the Russians stole the graphics cards on their way out. I, I mean, I guess it could be run by somebody. I thought it was like just became a tourist destination for people who want to see like, you know, yeah. creepy abandoned cities or something <laughs> like that. Yep. Bring back Beowulf computing. Oh, yeah. Beowulf computing. All right. Uh, Beowulf clusters. Yeah, I got to a point where you could have holidays in Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah, that's a no. I remember that. They, yeah. they, they, would, they would take tours into Chernobyl. It became like a tourist attraction. Right. I didn't know there was people actually like there, there, 
See one right of the the greatest natural meltdowns in yeah, or the one of the greatest man-made disasters in in modern history. I mean, I I love the miniseries. I thought miniseries yeah. was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Well done and excellent. They 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 found a way of making something completely invisible, very like tense and creepy. Like you can't see radiation, so how do you depict it on the screen? But they found it, it looked like you there's tense moments. I thought it was quite well done. One of the best miniseries I've seen in the last couple of years, definitely. Yeah, the workers monitoring Chernobyl can only work there three days a month. Um, and uh, we now know why the Russians invaded uh, invaded Ukraine. RTX. Yeah, that's what they wanted. Yeah. If you've ever but been then, to Russia, then, it's not ray trace. It's really weird. So, <laughs> they got... And uh, <laughs> I think, ironically, didn't they stop like development of Stalker 3? because of it was supposed to take place in Chernobyl. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, let's uh let's move on. We could sit here all night. All right, all right. Let's keep going. Uh you could win free beer for your entire city just by recycling. Tell me more, and is it actually okay. beer? Well, yes, okay. I mean, if you consider, you know, Budweiser products beer, uh, but it's not just recycling yourself. You have to go to a Major League Baseball game. So there are certain cities and certain Major League uh, ballpark franchises that are participating in a uh, recycling contest. So basically what it is, if you, between, I think, uh, opening day and I think, what is it? The end of May. Yeah. There's a time where you can go and if you go one to to these uh, games and you get a beer and then you take that beer and you recycle it and then they'll take and they'll count that up and the city who has recycled the most will get a free beer so this is so, happening in 10 major league ballparks including st louis cardinals houston astros san diego padres texas rangers washington nationals have all commuted uh as inaugural members of the national recycling league yeah um i will say moda center uh portland trailblazers uh they they are huge on being a green facility uh yeah. you hear about it 30 times every single game, every single concert that you go to there. Um, they, they regenerate more energy than they consume. Uh, they are a green facility. Uh, and it's because of recycling. It's because of things like this. So <laughs> I thought they hooked up generators to the players' sweat glands. That too. That too. Yeah, they could just like generate energy <laughs> that way. Yeah. I'll keep the 10 cents a can for myself, thanks. Well, yeah, but yeah. that's only in, like, what, three states? Yeah, no, I think there's not too many, just Oregon and... Oregon and Michigan wow. are are the 10 centers. And then there's, uh, like, Connecticut, Vermont, Montana, and a couple others that you can still do 5 cent deposits. Yeah. Everyone else is going, what the hell are you talking about? That's the thing. We We had this, we had this talk about, you know... Yes, we can get 10 cents for our deposit, but man, do they make it a pain in the ass to yeah. do it. Luckily, we have Bottle Drop, which is very nice, yeah. um, where you can, you get you have to you have to buy the bags, um, and they're specialty bags. They're more expensive than normal garbage bags, yep. but 
you just drop off, you fill up your bottles with those bags, you drop them off the facility, they'll count them up for you, and they'll pull all that money in your account. Yep. There you go. And they even have sponsors by certain stores. So if you go to that store and spend that <laughs> money from Bottle Drop at that store, you get a discount. Yep. So it's kind of nice. I don't know if they have that at other states, but we have that here in Oregon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like a... I mean, it's obviously a very Oregon-specific thing for bottle yes, returns. Yes, no, it definitely is. I mean, it's much, much better than like standing in line and using those bottle return machines that break down like every thirty minutes, and you're like, "Oh god." Jeff can smell the old cans. Yes. Oh yes, no. <laughs> That's one of the worst things. Before bottle, before I started bottle drop, that was one of the worst, most dreaded things. And I used to let bags and bags and bags of cans pile up before I take it to the deposit. Yeah. And I have to sit there and scrape out these old cans that stuck to the side of bags and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, uh, is this the smell of old beer? Ah, not great. It's the worst thing in the world. Oh, it really is. So bad. Oh, man, I'm so, so much more happier with using Bottle Drop. Yes. Moving on. Uh, PlayStation wound up in a little bit of hot water this week over an alleged bug, which just so happened to target games that recently got remastered. Uh, including Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI. Um, and that is PS1 classics like Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy VI are expiring on the PlayStation Store. And even if you bought a license to be able to play them, you weren't allowed to launch the game anymore, regardless of platform. Uh, right. Strangely enough, Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster just showed up on the PlayStation Store this last month. And... Uh, I make a nice upgrade if you were looking to replay this game, you know? <laughs> uh so the the bug was reported. Uh apparently the expiration date on these games had reset itself back to 1969, which in some cases I'd say nice, but in this case not so much. Uh and people who wanted to play these classic PlayStation games were being denied even though they legally owned them. So, yeah, uh, yeah, the download date, uh, you could only download it if you were downloading the game before 1231-1969. So people were unable Which, to install and, and run the game. Unless you can time travel, but then, that, then you could. Right. Because there was plenty of internet back in 1969. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were, yeah. I mean, it's how we got to the moon, was the internet. Yeah, exactly, yeah, totally. I mean, it's how... It's how Scorsese, you know, broadcast the moon landing. <laughs> exactly. We had all this modern technology back then that nobody knew about. Yeah. Or sorry, no, it was Kubrick who, who broadcast the moon landing. It was, it was Scorsese on Apollo 17. Yeah. Who rebroadcast. Yeah, Kubrick, Kubrick was the first. He's the vision. Yeah. yeah. No, Scor Scorsese was, you know, he was, he was hard on wanting that 30 FPS instead of the 12 that Kubrick did the original. <laughs> They use sign 64 bit epoch time counters? No, those are still going to expire in 2038 thanks to the uh the Unix 32 bit clock rollover. So Hey, I corrected myself before. Yeah, this is Stanley Zachary Solis. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you. Yes. Yeah. He, he well he knows his uh conspiracy theory directors. Yeah. Yeah.
2038 right. is unsigned, I thought. It's something like that. Oh, right. No, you're you're absolutely right. Because, uh, yeah, 1-1-1970 would have been the start of the Unix clock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 2038 is the unsigned 32-bit rollover. Right. You're correct. <laughs> you are correct. Tech, tech, potato. Said the same thing, too. But... But it's only 2022, so how could that be a bug? The, the curious thing about this was it wasn't like an entire catalog of games. It was three games specifically yes. that recently had remasters sent out. Like, uh, obviously you know what, what if we just sunset like these? <laughs> yeah. Some kind of oversight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, come on. You took that. you beat me by the 45 seconds it takes YouTube to process comments. I did, but I'm still taking it because I still corrected that it was Kubrick <laughs> and not, uh, not Scorsese. You, you did actually pretty pretty close after you said it right. switched from the, the, the Godfather to uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good transition yeah. myself. Besides, all, all you, you know, we all know it was Scorsese and not Kubrick. Kubrick was just the stage name. Uh, NetGuy sends over $1.99, doubled my Patreon, keeping Rhett fed for another week. I appreciate that. Oh, gosh. Yes, Rhett really appreciates that. He's getting tired of the chicken ramen. He would like the shrimp ramen now, so he really appreciates it. You know, so, by the way, this is not an ad. Uh, my wife and I <laughs> recently signed up for a meal delivery service and i'm even drawing a blank so oh, we've done we've done those before so we, we tried hello fresh and we tried another one and we i didn't have a great experience with one of the two of them and i can't remember which one it was um apollo 18 end game <laughs> thank you um we had a bad experience with one and we had an all right experience with the other but neither of them were like yeah that was great um uh we found one that we are using right now and uh we got it mainly so we can try new meals and stop, you know, being in this rut that we're in of like, oh yeah, yeah. Hey, you want tacos or spaghetti again? Like, you know, you oh, get yeah. in the rut of making yes. like your six meals per week, and we we did the exact same thing. Right. We did find some absolutely wonderful meals that way. Right, and and all of a sudden, you know, I'm opening my food palette a little bit more, and it's mm -hmm. been fantastic. Um, but uh, we we originally signed on for four place settings because I have three kids, two of which eat the same meals that me and my wife eat. Um, and uh, they hated every single one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, kids don't like it, but yes. Right. Um, like, there was one that was uh, this steak, but it came with a, a recipe to make, like, this apricot jam marinade sauce mm. with, uh, Could be with like, diced almonds and a couple other things in it. Sounds great. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, yeah. And Miss loved it, like loved yeah. the sauce. And and we've had it yeah. like three or four times since then. But it's like this apricot chili with diced almonds and a couple oh, other things. And, oh, good. It's so yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's fantastic. But yeah, for the most part, you know, we we can't do the the the, the meal kits because my kids just won't eat them. So we dropped it down to two meal servings uh, for 
per meal. So I, I think we get three meals per week, something like that, just to expand the library a little. Yeah. Um, yeah, my kids hate them. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we did the exact same thing where we did like, uh, again, I can't remember the service because this was like maybe a year ago. Same thing. We were like, ah, we're tired of the same old, same old. Let's go try these different meals. And because they, they give you the recipe when they ship it to you, they're like, yeah. okay, here's the ingredients, but here's also the recipe. So if you really like it, you can try and recreate it yourself. And yeah, we found a ton that we just absolutely really, really like and that we recreate now, even to this day, that are just yeah. absolutely great. Yep. Uh, anyway, the reason I brought that up is Rhett has been one of the primary beneficiaries of these meal kits that we're getting because oftentimes we'll end up making them for lunch and Rhett's here for lunch and so Rhett eats free when we make lunch like if we go out to lunch <laughs> Rhett pays his own dime yeah, yeah, but yeah. uh but you know if we're eating at home and probably four four out of the five days of the work week we eat from home yeah and uh, we'll either have leftovers or oftentimes it ends up being one of those those uh meal delivery yeah. service meals oh, yeah and uh all of a sudden we're having, you know, fettuccine Alfredo and steak niblets with, you know, apricot chili sauce. And, and uh, he's like, damn, this was a better deal than I thought I signed up for. <laughs> it's free food every time I come over here. It's Plus great. he gets a beer at lunch. Like, oh, man. Yeah. It's not all those perks, man. Yeah. I thought Rhett got all the scraps. Basically, yes. But they're good scraps. But they're really good like... scraps. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the most recent meal that was just absolutely dynamite. Um oh there's there's some Thai rice dish that that came up and it's like, yeah, we'll we'll try that. You know, it sounds sounds interesting. Um yeah. like I like Thai food, my wife really doesn't, but oh, I do. I love, it, it ended I up being everything. just fantastic. And uh uh both Rhett and I were like fighting over the leftovers for oh, yeah. that one. <laughs> There's there's very few things because like John, mm -hmm. very picky. I I don't know if you know that, but he does not like to eat a lot of things. Maybe after his beer diet, he will be devouring everything. But for the most part, he doesn't like tomatoes. He doesn't like mushrooms. He doesn't like olives. He doesn't well. He'll drink some pickle stuff, but he doesn't like pickles. Right. right. I will eat just about anything. Yeah. And I will try it. I'm kind there of between very, you very guys, where I will try anything. But I also yeah. have some hard nose. Um, is pickle beer one of those hard nose? Pickle beer is a hard nose. Now, he's got that mustard pickle beer. Yeah, yeah, come on. You got to try that. Um, mustard I will have on things if it came on something, but I'm really not happy about it. Like, like it's not a flavor that I will ever seek out on my oh, own. Oh, man. Like, um, my favorite meal is just like a big-ass charcuterie board with a bazillion things on it. And I will say, so and no one let no one let John know this, um, pickles are, I have to say 99% of the time, a hard no. Like, a hard, like, um, mushrooms are a, if it's on there, I cannot stomach it. I, I just cannot. Really? Mushrooms, I love mushrooms. flat out, delicious. GTFO, I'm done. Um, uh, I, I ordered a burger on a on a lunch outing with a bunch of colleagues one time and it was a swiss burger and i specifically said no mushrooms like everything else on it sounds amazing like it had red onion or like like uh uh you know fried onions and a couple other things on it. it's like oh that sounds great but no mushrooms no mushrooms burger arrived i looked all around it didn't see any mushrooms took a bite immediately bit down onto one and i nearly vomited 
Like it, now, it's it's it, one of those kind, and it's not even like a like a mental thing. Like I'll see the okay. the mushroom, and then I'm like, oh, right. I can't eat this. It was, it hit my my teeth and my tongue, uh-huh. uh, among the rest of the burger. Okay, <laughs> I, I I can see that because I can I can kind of see where people do not like the texture of mushrooms, mm-hmm. and they are chewy, and I can kind of see right. people don't like them. Now, what if they were like chopped up really fine and you didn't know they were in there? Would you like? Uh, I I have done that. Um, if you ever go to PF Chang's, uh, you can get the yeah. lettuce wraps as an appetizer, and those have some tiny little diced mushrooms in that. I can do that yeah. as long as it's not like an entire take a lot of flavor. Yeah. Right, as long as it's not an entire like I like the flavor of mushrooms. I I don't necessarily mind mushroom cream soup. It's just raw or cooked just straight up like portobello's no no yeah. no no a thousand times no um but even pickles i've uh i have to be hungry enough i will say uh yeah. so i was on like this three hour road trip with my dad one time we had to go like three hours one direction pick someone up and then come three hours mm-hmm. back it was it was brutal um and uh we got there and it's like, I need to get something to eat on before we go home. Screw it. There's a Wendy's right there. So pulled in Wendy's, ordered a triple cheeseburger and just went like, just give me whatever. And uh, got on the road, forgot that not only does it come with mustard, it also comes with pickles on, mm. on the Wendy's triple oh, cheeseburger. Good. And, uh, and whatnot. And I bit into it and I dislike mustard and yeah. I abhor pickles. And I went... I'm hungry enough. I'm just going to okay, eat it. I'll eat it. Like, yes. a, like, um, normally with pickles, it's like, uh, I'll pick them off. Like I, I really don't like pickles. I don't want to stomach them, but I was in the car and I was the one on driving duty. And it's like, yeah, I was pissed off the whole time, but it. I ate it. You're going to eat it anyway. Had I bitten to a mushroom, I would yeah. have vomited out the, out the driving yeah. window. Like, <laughs> so I have my heart outs. Yes. So, I mean, I guess if you don't like pickles, you probably don't like relish. You did. Yeah. Uh, relish in a very 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 fine and small quantity like like if i get like a tuna salad on a sandwich and it has a little bit of relish mixed in i can't tell it's there it's okay like i can kind of tell it's there like it's got some crunch to it and whatnot and i can pick up a little bit of dill flavor or something like that i can stomach my way through um if it's 50 50 relish and tuna no i'm out uh i'm seeing all these weak people in the chat like i I can't take celery i can't right and and Uh, come on on. john will tap out at like you know oh i don't like provolone (laughs) (laughs) what provolone's good i know provolone's delicious it's the most mildest tasting cheese i know i know i i was was being facetious and like okay uh, okay okay yeah uh but john will tap out a lot sooner than i will tap out but oh, yes, no, I can see that. But yes. when it comes to certain things like pickle beer with mustard, I'm not going to actively seek it out. I know I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not even ah, going to put myself in a situation on. where I would have to. Put that there. You should. I'm just not. I'm just yeah, not. It'd be great. I I don't enjoy the sensation of putting something in my That's mouth okay. I don't like. I know, but it's it's not as if I if I sit there and spout up that hey I'm gonna I'll try whatever. Here's the deal. It's not as fun if I try. I, I will try ninety nine percent of things. If it has mushrooms in it, I'm not going to try it. If it has pickles, I'm uh-huh. probably not going to try it. <laughs> if if you say, "Hey Jeff, so do you want to come down and mustard. help me review a mustard pickle beer?" The answer is just no. Come on. <laughs> like no. 
my uh so overthinking texas picklebacks um my brother-in-law his shot when we go to a bar is he will do a jameson black barrel and a pickleback like that's that's his go-to yeah (laughs) no because number one jameson don't need no back (laughs) and number two (laughs) no jameson is good why would you back it with pickle (laughs) like for the love of all that's sacred to be fair to be fair uh yes i i do not get the pickle back thing i like pickles i really do but uh chasing pickles with certain alcohol i i have never gotten yeah um it doesn't it doesn't really enhance anything for me no i I did the i did the pickleback beer didn't really do anything for me i still like pickles yeah i really do but it didn't really enhance it anyway one or the other so yeah that's i just i guess maybe some people like it fine you know i i also have rules when it comes to eating specific foods like we're from Oregon. We're we're 90 minutes from any coast. Uh, yeah. I've lived within 90 minutes of the Pacific Ocean my entire yes. life with many, many massive major rivers that are popular for fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't eat fish more than more inland than I am right now. Like I, Bend is pushing it, but I will eat seafood in Bend only because I know they get daily deliveries from the coast. This this is true. Uh... <laughs> If I go to get, Denver, I'm not ordering yeah, cod. Not, <laughs> the closer you get to the coast yeah. and the fresher you can get the fish, the better it will taste. And that's for just about any type of seafood. Mm-hmm. Shellfish seafood, right. that is 100% the case. Right. Um, yes. I will say, ironically Fro- enough, the worst seafood meal I have ever been served at any restaurant in my entire life was in the Mission in San Francisco. Like where you have no excuse. Right there, yeah. They probably scraped, uh, scraped the bottom of the freezer or something to oh, get you something. Oh, God, it was you don't know. Yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Old frozen fish is probably the worst thing ever. It's just just not good. Yeah. Uh, Ian and I do agree on, on one thing. No cilantro, no coriander. Now, now Ian says it tastes like lawnmower clippings. Um, I can't do cilantro because I have that gene that it tastes like dish mm-hmm. soap. Yeah. Um, well, see, I don't, ha- I don't have that gene, but I kind of on the, the thing where... Too much cilantro really ruins a dish because then all you taste is cilantro. Right, and and but I feel that way about a lot of different veggies and add-ins that you would toss onto a dish. Right. Like onions are a garnish, not an ingredient. Like it's true. Like no, it's it, true. like if I'm eating a burger, I'm not. I don't want to take a bite out of a quarter slice of an onion. Like no, I, I, mean, I don't absolutely... mind a couple couple rings of an onion on a burger right. for. A, a good recipe is going to have a balance of flavors on everything. Correct. Anything that has one overpowering flavor of the other, what's the point? Just eat that one thing that's overpowering at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you need it. That's that's what makes a great recipe is a balance of flavors. Uh, Sean wants to know, what about a triple imperial chocolate pickle IPA? <laughs> we, we did actually do a review of an imperial, uh, what was it? It was an imperial Kool-Aid rum barrel aged pickle beer. <laughs> uh and that was actually not that bad uh the spicy one was disgusting <laughs> but uh, yeah the 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 kool-aid one was just it's not that bad it was not bad yeah um um yeah so but yeah uh, certain things should be garnishes or flavor enhancers not an ingredient unto themselves right um 
and I and I I put like onions into that category of like I what I want when I eat into a burger is I don't want a ring of onion like solid all the way through. That's just a slice out of an onion that's been dropped on top of my burger because that's right. too much onion. Especially if it's a red onion. Right. If it's a white onion, it might not be the If it's a white onion, yeah. But I also use white onions and onion rings. I don't want to bite into an onion ring and bite into a red onion. Like, yeah, red onions just... There's limits, right? Um, I feel that about a lot of different things. Like cilantro. Like, (laughs) you know, you go down that list. I can stomach a slight amount of cilantro. um, And lucky for me, there are some phenomenal taco places around oh yeah no 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 Um, you know where i live and you know there's like there's taco places i can throw a rock and hit a taco place around yeah um yeah the taco scene in oregon is (laughs) above average to say the least it was it was kind of funny uh so i have a coworker because you know i work remote and so i have coworkers all over the country and uh one of them he lives in uh phoenix arizona Uh uh-huh and he was vacationing in Bend, and uh, so he's like, "Hey, I'll I'll come up from Bend uh, after we stay in Sun River, and we'll go have lunch or something like that. What yeah. do you What do you want?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, you got to come and try our Mexican food. We have the really great Mexican food." It's like Oregon's got good Mexican food. Like, yeah, you have got no some idea. of the best. Right. We have some of the best. He's like, nah, no, no, nah. No, I'm I'm, I'm from, from Phoenix. Arizona. You know, I'm, I'm I'm from Phoenix. I got great Mexican food. He's like, mm-hmm. right. Like, I'm 150 miles from Mexico. Like, I know my Mexican food. Yeah, it's like, it's like no, no and I don't doubt. No. I don't doubt that there are some good Mexican places in Phoenix. But we have a huge, huge Hispanic community here, and I've I've literally like walked down Front Street in our town and had like some. Uh, Mexican grandma grilling me up some fresh gorditas mm-hmm. with some fresh ingredients, and it was like one of the best things I've ever had. The grocery store I used so to good. I used to work at had a taquilleria inside of it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, we <laughs> yes, it's we we got some really great taquerias around here, yeah. and and they make all their own fresh salsa and everything. It's delicious. Yeah, uh, and apparently the number one place to get a taco in Oregon is Victorico's, uh, which is a a fairly local chain. Uh, But uh, there's one very close to my house, and I will say they're the best around here. Go there all the time, yeah. God, it's good. (laughs) Get a chimichanga the size of your arm with with guac and sour cream and pico. (sighs) Yeah. And beans and rice. and A good pico de gallo, you just cannot beat that. Oh, yeah. So good. Uh, in fact, I had that for lunch the other day, um, and uh, man, was it hard to work when I got home from that. Are, are we are we changing this to the cooking channel here? We may be like craft com, com cooking. Yeah, craft com cooking. <laughs> yeah. Cooking with craft. There you go. Cooking with craft. There you go. Uh, uh good thing they're talking about oregon and not the pnw because the rest of the pnw has crap for mexican food i will say I, absolutely I, I so. will say that yes yes yeah you, you don't go to washington and brag about the tacos it was funny funny story because yes uh in certain places in the pacific northwest we do have some great mexican food yeah. and uh there, there are specific uh, pockets within oregon that have the best yes. mexican right how's that so we we had um for a time we had a service that my company provided this is like going back 15 years probably mm-hmm. 
where we would do uh, hazardous chemical inventory for big big companies mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Do their MSDS and things. Yes, exactly. Um, and we did it for, I believe it was Pfizer, mm -hmm. the pharmaceutical company. And they have international plants all over the place. And so uh, the team that I was uh, overseeing at the time went to Ireland to do a facility. And Ireland would be a great place to go. I mean, you get to go there and hang out in Ireland and look at the local culture. But the hotel that they were staying at was in, it was during Cinco de Mayo. And for some reason, this hotel in Ireland was celebrating Cinco de Mayo. And they were serving like Mexican cuisine mm -hmm. at an Irish bar at the hotel in Ireland. And I'm like, yeah, what did the Irish think? taco was and how do they how do they interpret mexican cuisine yeah and how does it compare to what we have now and they're like it was god awful it, yeah. it was like it was like cafeteria style tacos that you would get like in fifth grade right that was like that was their using the leftover sloppy joe meat from the day before yeah right. exactly yeah they, they would they would take their their bangers and mash chop it up <laughs> put it in a taco shell throw some cheese on it and like yeah there you go yeah that's what you get um, so grocery list says, I spend a lot of time in Portland and I still disagree. And I'm assuming that is from the, uh, uh, I'm from Texas and I disagree about the taco scene in the PNW. You can disagree about the PNW as a whole. Uh, there are pockets within Oregon. Yes. I, I specific would actually pockets. agree. Yes. I would agree because as a whole. there are, yeah. there's, there's, uh, there are definite places <laughs> outside of here. You go to like to bend, Yeah. Let's say bend, even Salem, even Salem is not as good as some places. Yeah. But there are definite pockets yeah. um, where there's huge Hispanic communities and you can find some absolutely amazing yeah. Mexican food. Yeah. It's pockets where I, I would agree probably if you went to Texas or, or Arizona, they're going to be easy to find yeah. a lot a lot more than they are in, in Oregon. But not to say we don't have great, great stuff out here. Um, yeah, our barbecue scene, not as good. Like there, there's no, a couple pockets no, again, like no. there, there's one or two restaurants around here that do it okay, but yeah. nothing like I've had in, no, in, absolutely not in Texas. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you barbecue. I'll give you some other things, but, uh, I cannot find a good Philly cheese steak sandwich to save the life of me around here either. Yeah. It's Philly like cheese is a, is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I am certifiable says uh, North and Northwest Salem and Woodburn are good. South, not so much. Uh, I will 100% back up both of those statements. And yes. in fact, you hit the one that you probably want to go to to get Mexican food. Yeah. Woodburn. Woodburn. Right there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, there's a reason Obama on his presidential tour stopped in Woodburn to have tacos at uh, Louise's. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. He didn't even hit the, hit the taco trucks around there. He just went to Louisa's. No. Like, well, they didn't have they didn't have taco trucks at the time, but we actually true. have, we do have in Woodburn now a uh, taco cart area. Yeah, where it's just dedicated to taco cart. Yep, and they have one type, but yeah, S Salem has a similar area now um, yeah. down on Market uh, mm -hmm. with a uh, with a bunch of, of different food carts and whatnot. Uh, also, Portland's got their their food cart city. Um, okay. But uh, oh, and that's right, uh, East Salem. Uh, as you get out towards, um, anyway, there's a taco cart or a, a food cart city out on the east side yeah. as well. Um, 
Well, the yard, there's the yard over there in Salem, which I, I really like there. They have one of the best the Indian Thank food you. carts yeah. I've ever been to. Yeah. Super delicious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. There... We burn up our time talking about food, man. We did. We did. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. Yes. Should we should we burn through these real quick? The rest of this stuff. Uh, yeah. One of them's blockchain. Screw it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I kind of want to mention it just real quick. Um, cause cause this this is like kind of a heartbreaking uh thing. Yeah, it's me. the former Unreal Dev team. Uh, no, Alt Ultima Online. Or Ultima, excuse team. me. The Ultima. Ultima. Yeah. It's, sorry uh, to yeah, throw Unreal Richard, under the bus. My my. Sorry. Yeah. Rich, Richard Garriott, who it's the know, other you from Ultima Online and a lot of Ultima games, which I absolutely loved. He's making a, a new gaming studio, and they're going to be focusing on the blockchain. Gross. I don't, I don't want to do that. I loved Ultima Online. I loved Ultima games. But, man, I, I that's one thing I just cannot get behind. Yeah. So, off. Oh, oh, too bad. Um, I don't think you want to go anything else, or you just want to call it? Uh... No, that's pretty much it. I really didn't care All about right. the last two anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I just threw them in there because I don't know if we had enough enough stuff to talk about. Yep. All right. Well, now I'm freaking hungry. Yeah, so, no, me too. <laughs> gosh, I, I apologize for all of you watching late at night or early in yeah. the morning or whenever the hell you're watching because it's probably not meal time. Next, yeah, next time I'm gonna come with my best uh, cheap ramen food hack. Yeah. Uh, best thing I have within arm's reach is some uh, peanut butter trail mix. So, it's still good, though. It, I mean, it's still solid, but it ain't no taco. No, no. It ain't no chimmy. So, anyway, thank you all so much for watching episode mm -hmm. 230 here on Talking Heads. We are here every Wednesday night at 8 Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to Hops and Brews if you like the beer content you see on this channel. And you might see some familiar faces over there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Craft Computing to keep up with daily shenanigans like this. I do have a brand new video coming out first thing tomorrow morning that a lot of you will probably be interested in if you like self-hosted cloud gaming, Chinese X99, and AliExpress water cooling. Mm. Intriguing combo. Uh, yeah. Uh, join us for the after party. Tonight's yeah. going to be a big one. We're, we're going to be eating... Yeah. A lot of us are going to be guessing. eating. A lot of us are calling up Diner Dash going, no, 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 Victor Rico's <laughs> is still open, I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, join us in the after party. There's, uh, there's going to be quite a scene in the after party tonight. Uh, for those uh, not aware, I'm not going to say anything because it's not technically affiliated, but there's going to be a, a really cool thing in the after party tonight. So... Make sure you're there. Join the Patreon so you can uh, chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and get access to the exclusive Discord where yeah. you'll talk to us. And uh, every Wednesday night after the show, we will typically be on for at least about 90 minutes chatting with you on video for uh, whatever topics happen to come up. Of course. So, thank you all so much for watching. As always, see you next week. See you guys. Cheers, everyone.